0: All right, now here's a word for you. Are you ready? All right, you didn't check out yet, did you? All right, this is going to be a short exhortation. It's called When the Sword and the Towel Become One. When the sword and the towel become one. I'm just going to give a brief message this morning, an exhortation. We're going to end early, and then there in the lobby, our entire deacon team which is much larger than just these folks here are going to be out at tables in the lobby i guess you could call it a ministry fair if you want but they're going to be out there basically sharing and explaining to you the ministry that god has given them each of these deacons up here and the rest of the team all serve in a specific area of ministry in the church And so we want to give you an opportunity today to visit the table so it's not just beyond your schedule and just see if there's something that the Lord would want you to get connected to. I almost called this message Set the Pew Sitters Free. Because I want to tell you that you are not a bunch of pew fodder for preachers. I want to tell you that you're in full-time ministry. Hey, that the separation between clergy and laity, this kind of hierarchical system that we've built in America, is anti biblical. And I want to seek to empower you, to release you, to equip you into whatever sphere of influence God has called you into. For most of us, it's the marketplace. For most of us, it's our family. There's opportunities here at the church. And I'm just going to tell you for the size of the church and how many opportunities, if you're not plugged in, you're just not trying. I don't mean that to be condemning, but trust me, there are, there are so many opportunities to get involved. It's just finding the right connection and the right fit. So, I want to talk a little bit about servanthood. I want to talk a little bit about um, the place that God has called us into. And I always have to kind of speak a little bit toward some of the pervading church culture, which we know it as church hurt. As I travel around the United States and different parts of the world, there's this thing called church hurt that has afflicted so many people. And so when you begin to talk about ways to serve and ways to connect there's something usually that rises up inside of people where there's a bitterness, there's a sting, I've been used, I've been abused, I've had a a bad experience. And what I want to throw out there today is that no one has ever burned out serving. No one has ever burned out because they gave too much money in the offering. No one has ever burned out because they attended too many church or revival services. Now I'm telling you this because most people think they burned out because of that. Oh, I served too much in the kids' church and I got overwhelmed and burned out. Oh, I did too many outreaches, I gave too much money, I I got too connected and over time I just burned out. I want to say it again, no one has ever burned out doing those acts. Here's how you burned out. You burned out because of the motivation of why you did those things. See, we have this Scripture in Matthew 5 where Jesus says this, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you will not inherit eternal life. Well, what was their righteousness? They tithed they gave, they fasted, they prayed. Wait a minute, Jesus just said, oh, wait a minute, brother, I thought I was under grace. I've been liberated from the law. I don't have to tithe. All right, I'm losing some of you. I don't have to fast. I don't have to pray. I've I've heard this great grace message that somehow alleviates me from personal responsibility. I'm going to tell you any grace message that alleviates you from your personal responsibility to serve in the kingdom of God is called false grace. All right, one more time. Any grace message that relieves you from personal responsibility to serve in the kingdom of God is called false grace. So unless our righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, see, I think that we think the Pharisees were bad guys. I don't think Jesus thought they were as bad as we do. I think he honored their service. I think he had a problem with their heart. I think that he honored their service. I think he had a problem, however, with their heart. So, oh, brother, we got this. Uh, here go the church programs again. Trying to get me to serve. Trying to get me to clean. Trying to get me to do outreach. Oh, brother, I'm not really into this. Your, your, your heart is talking And again, it wasn't your previous service that burned you and wounded you. It was the motivation of why you did what you did that burned you out. Because I'm going to tell you first and foremost, we do it for Jesus. Church hurt is a human invention. I said I had a word for you today. Church hurt is an indicator that I trusted more in a man and a system than I did God. (laughs) See, we're not here this morning to serve heart of the Father. Forget heart of the Father. Forget the denomination. Forget the program. We are here to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We are here to give Him back the glory and the honor that He might receive the full reward of His suffering. But if the motivation of why we do what we're called to do is wrong, we're going to get hurt, we're going to get bitter, we're going to get wounded. Well, brother, I'm not going to give that 50 bucks to that homeless person. What if they go buy alcohol? So what? If God told you to give them the money, then it's on them how they spent the money. If not, it's an issue of your heart. Well, I don't want to give my money to the church. What if they spend it on, did God tell you to give the money or not? That way, if they misspend the money, they're held responsible to God and I'm not. See, when you start challenging the motivations of why we do what we do, offense easily gets in. This message of grace has been so perverted and so polluted in our culture because the devil does not counterfeit trash. The devil does... You know why he's perverting grace? Because he knows the power of it. Because the power of grace working in the Apostle Paul's life said this. 1 Corinthians 15 I am what I am by the grace of God because His grace did not prove vain in me. I have outlabored all of you. The people who preach grace the most should be the hardest workers among us. Grace is not a license to be lazy. All right, let me use money and just make a couple more people upset. All right. Somehow we're under the new covenant and we've been given this awesome liberating message that I don't have to give 10% of my money anymore. So here's my question. If under the law in my own strength, I was required to give 10%, remember, in my own strength. How then is it that if I've been liberated from the law under a message of grace, and by the way, I get His strength, that now I'm liberated to give less than 10%? So are you telling me with God I'm less capable than by myself? So if under the law in my own strength 10% is the maximum, what I'm actually going to tell you is under grace in his strength 10% is no longer the maximum, it's the minimum. I've been liberated from 10% to how about 20 and 50 and 70? That's grace. All right, we're disturbing some religious devils this morning. I'm telling you, when people, that, all right, there's an outreach, there's an opportunity to work in the kids are like, oh, God, I've been wounded by... Ah. I'm like, what, 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 what? First of all, let's get back to why we do what we do. Because if I'm here greeting and the greeting coordinator offends me, guess what, buddy? I'm not here for you anyways. I'm here for God. Hello. You don't like my joyful noise? Good. God likes it. Trying to liberate some of you. Trying to work in the message of grace that empowers us to do far beyond what we could ever do in our own strength. When the grace of God, the power of God comes upon a people, David said this In the day of thy power, your people will volunteer freely. In other words, the people will set up the ministry fair. It's no longer having to beg and having to say it nice. and It's like you try to get people to serve in the church and it's like you've got to twist their elbow and do this and do that and... No, there's a day coming when the power and the grace of God will be so evident amongst the people that there won't even be enough opportunity for people to serve. What's the price? The price is this. Get over consumer Christianity. I'm just not getting fed here. That is an illegitimate excuse in the kingdom of God. I don't come to get fed. I got fed in my devotional time. I've never met a person who walks with God daily who has complained that they weren't getting fed at church. I'm not here to get fed, I'm here to feed. I'm not here to serve, I'm here to be served. Excuse me, I'm not here to be served, I'm here to serve. That was consumer Christian, I was (laughs) tricking you. (laughs) Do you see how our thinking is? It's like, I'm looking to find a church that can meet my needs. Rather than I'm looking for a church where I can use the gift and the grace that God has given me for the benefit of His body. So I tell people I don't believe in church shopping, I don't believe in trying out churches. I get that there has to be a realm of opportunity to find out what they're about, but the motivation behind church shopping and trying it out 99% of the time is I'm looking for a place that meets my needs. 1 Corinthians 12, God has placed us in His body just as He saw fit. Rather than wandering around trying to find out who can meet my needs, how about shifting into a kingdom mentality that says, Lord, how can You place me in a body where I can begin to function in the place that You've called me to function? I just want to speak over your life. Maybe you haven't ever heard it from a pastor or a leader, but you're in full-time ministry. There's a grace, there's a gift, there's a call on your life, there's a place for you at the table called the kingdom of God. We've got to get over this. The only intelligent kingdom person in the room is the preacher. Bull-loney. There's something great, there's something mighty that God has called you to but the model that Jesus gave for us is called servanthood. No one is beyond serving. I've had the opportunity to oversee over 100 ministry interns. And here's what oftentimes happens. First semester, they're asked to serve, and then at the end of the semester, they say to me this, okay, I'm done with serving. When am I going to lead? In the kingdom of God, we never graduate beyond serving. When we graduate beyond serving, we've become a Pharisee when you graduate beyond serving in the kingdom of heaven you become like the pharisees and the religious leaders it's a strong statement but i believe that much of what we have duplicated in our culture looks more like pharisees and religious leaders than the kingdom of god jesus did not Consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself in the form and a likeness of a servant. Many of you know I've written the books I See a New Prophetic Generation, I wrote a book called I See a New Apostolic Generation. I'm almost done with the book, I See a New Teaching Generation, but I've just written the first two chapters of I See a New Evangelistic Generation. And what has really struck me recently is these books are about the visions God has given me about each fivefold ministry and what's coming. But the Lord said to me, the greatest, the next greatest wave of evangelism will not come to stadiums, it's actually coming to prisons. And this hit me because I began to say, oh Lord, that's not going to go really well with this generation. And he said, why? And I said, because they can't put it on Facebook Live. You know why most people don't want to knock on doors and go into prisons? Because it won't make them famous. See, we, just, we walk by the local church. We walk by easy areas to plug into because, oh, I can't get recognized there. You know, the only time Jesus allowed himself to be public publicly recognized for real is when He was on a cross? You know the only time that Jesus for real allowed Himself to be recognized was on a cross? So many mothers and fathers in the church today that get overlooked. They're here this morning. I've been here nine years. I look out in this room and I see gold. I look at all our young people and I ask myself, how in the world do we not have, I mean, dinners and lunches and coffees, and how do we not have the greatest exchange among generations? You know the reason is so-and-so isn't famous there are so many young people they will not give you the time of day unless you have a platform again we show up at the send and oh francis chan and todd white and you know all the groupies are out there you know growing out their hair and looking and acting and meanwhile there are thousands and thousands of mothers and fathers in this generation getting overlooked because they don't have a platform let me tell you something the greatest men and women of God that have ever poured into my life either don't have a Facebook account or they don't even know how to use one can I just encourage any young people in here Who gives, better watch myself, who cares about how they dress? I'll just tell you, because I preach with famous people, oftentimes the more expensive their outfit is, the more inexpensive their anointing is. I just, whatever. Whatever. And believe me or not, the more they're into the lingo and the culture and the whatever. Listen, here's the new thing coming to the body. It's called the ancient pass. Find a guy who doesn't waste his time on Facebook and actually spends time with God. Find someone that's a great mother or a father and their kids actually love them. That's who you want to mentor and pour into your life. Not some guy or gal that's addicted to a platform and finds their identity in public ministry. So here's how I want to end today with a quote from Andy Byrd. Andy was there yesterday. He he sums up what we're going after today. And then there's going to be an opportunity for you to pray. I, I want to spend about 5 minutes praying about Lord, is there a gift, a calling, a grace that you've given me that I need to find an outlet. I need to find I, I believe some of you the word of the Lord I gave you go to the prisons. The Lord told me there's such a spirit of rebelliousness on this culture that many of them are locked up right now. The Lord told me the next, I mean, again, I'm just going off what I heard, the next great revivalists are locked up in prison right now. They're not in ministry school. They're not building a Facebook following. They're in prison right now. Go find your Paul. But again, the only thing that's keeping people from going there is it's not glamorous. You can't brag about it on Facebook. No one's there. Lord, give that grace. So here's Andy. He said, why are there so many books on leadership and so few books on radical serving? It's because serving doesn't sell books. Leadership evokes feelings of influence, title, and position. Serving produces fear that we will never be noticed or have our moment of fame. Who wants to buy a book on how to not be first, noticed, patted on the back, sat in the middle of a room and affirmed, or even have a known name? All the while Jesus sits in the shadows, the lone author of true servanthood Looking for those who will carry his DNA. What's our heart as a leadership team at Heart of the Father? Not that you would carry the DNA of Heart of the Father and you know put a hot FM tat on your head or this isn't a cult. It just bothers me when you people are evangelizing and they're pumping a denomination or a church more than Jesus. He is the only guy that can save you, not the preacher. We we want to carry the DNA of Jesus Christ, the servant of all. His virtue, His character, everything that was in His being was others-centered. He had a heart, a passion, a desire. We're, We're living in a city, we're living in a generation that's desperate For men and women that are willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I believe that there's something forming here in our midst that looks like the spirit and power of Elijah. I believe that there's a destiny here in our midst of mothers and fathers and daughters and sons learning how to work together and establish the kingdom of God in our midst. I want to pray today if you've been hurt by the church. I want to pray today if you've burned out. Maybe there was a revelation of why you burned out today, but I want to pray that the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit would get down on the inside of us. And if you're led to sign up for something today, to connect with one of the leaders that we, we have here, I want to pray that it will be the Holy Spirit. You know, Because if He leads it and He guides it, He'll sustain it. Amen? It's a problem if entertainment drives people to church, guess what has to keep them there? So it's best when the Holy Spirit draws them because it will be the Holy Spirit who keeps them, not the fog machine. Amen? Not because, you know, again, I just... What kind of kids' church do you have? What kind of worship? What kind of... Did God call you there or not? Well, I don't like the preaching. Did God call you there or not? Well, they're not being nice to me. Did God call you there or not? God, I'm just asking today that you would reveal where we're called? where you want I mean I just I believe the I'm hearing right now the Lord is saying to some of you this this profound prophetic word. Are you ready? It's time. Some of you, you drove all this way for. Great prophetic word. It's time. This is the last thing I'm hearing. I feel like the Lord wants to reconcile some of you to men and women in ministry that have hurt you. Now, I'm not saying by reconcile that you're supposed to be best friends that you're supposed to go back to the church. I'm not saying all of that, but I believe the Lord wants to reconcile your heart to any man or woman that failed you. Lord, if I if I put my hope, my trust in a man or woman, a de- denomination or a movement, and it, I, they, it was doomed from the, the beginning, and Lord, that something's preventing me from... From stepping into it, you know, you know who I believe will lead the third great awakening in America: the gray hairs. I know us young folk don't want to hear that. I, I, I'm telling you, this is not the day to retire; it's the day to refire. I mean, this—the movement that's coming is going to be led by the mothers and fathers of this generation working in relationship. I mean, I could do it right now. I could literally say, if you're a young person in here looking for mothering and fathering, stand up. Go ahead. If you're a young person looking for mothering and fathering, I want you to stand right now. If you're a young person looking for mothering your father, and I want you to stand right now. That's a, a desire in your heart. See, it's almost like, oh, man, they should feel ashamed. No, this is actually biblical. See, my next question is, if you're a young person and you're not being mothered and fathered, why aren't you standing up? Okay, you guys can be seated. If you're a mother and a father and you're willing to help mother and father anyone, I want you to stand up. Okay, so hear me. I don't think this looks like... I don't think that's our little baby. little baby trying to teach her how to kiss Um, I don't think this looks like okay brother give me the one two three listen here's just my let it be organic do not force mothering and fathering do not being a son or a daughter let it be organic there are more mothers and fathers standing than sons and daughters who stood so here's my encouragement get started where do I start okay sit down real quick where do I start okay if you stood earlier stand up if you stood earlier stand up okay where do I get started? Okay, you're going to tackle them in two minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I, I, I bet you they have a phone number. I bet you they have an email. I bet you they, I bet you uh, half of them can't even afford lunch. I'm trying to help you. Literally, I was a college pastor for two years. We had literally 100, 150 people like, oh, man, the power of God must have been wonderful. I said, no, the pizza was good. Literally, I never had a young adult meeting ever without free food for the young people. How do you grow a college ministry? Pizza. My wife and I literally spent our last dollar every week on pizza. All right, sit. And the cookies. She made the cookies. So I want to pray. I hope hope that I'm communicating my heart rightly if I offended you. I'll give you Barry or David's email. But hear the heart of the Father, the kingdom of Jesus. And in fact, if you're a deacon here in in our midst, you know who you are. I want you to come down to the front. If you're on our deacon team, I want you to come down. These are the folks that will be behind the tables in the lobbies. I want them to come down here. And I love what I'm about to say. They might not, but... Some of them are already out at the tables. Okay. These are folks that we have been walking with over a period of years that have been commissioned to help serve the the kingdom of God in not just a, a willing way, but this is the part that I like they have to. They're obligated by the Lord Jesus. So chase them down like sick them, like a doll, like grab hold of their little, little pant leg and like a little dog and do not let go of them. Get their phone number right now. Get their email. I'll give you their address. And I want you to attack them and say, help me. They're here to facilitate what the Lord is doing in our city. There's so many different opportunities, some that you know, some that you don't know, but will you bow your heads with me, everybody? And let's just just pray and ask the Holy Spirit. I really feel like the Lord wanted me to pray to activate giftings, callings, and anointings. Lord, in the name of Jesus, if there is any gift or calling or grace that's dormant, that's suppressed, that's hidden both to us and to others. In the name of Jesus, I just pray, I feel led to do this, just just a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit just to blow through your person. God, bring it to the surface now in Jesus' name. Lord, let there be an enlightenment, a spirit of revelation. Let there be an awakening. What have you called us to do? How can we connect to the kingdom? Lord, in Jesus' name, God, I also pray right now for those who have been wounded and rejected by religion, by the church. Lord, we just forgive right now. The Lord says your first step to freedom is forgiveness. So Lord, we forgive. We choose forgiveness. It's a choice. The past church, the past leader, God, deliver us right now by Your Spirit. And now, Lord, we just say yes. Lord, as we go in the lobby, Lord, as we talk, as we share, Lord, make it jump out to us. Lord, help us just to take a first step. I just want to implore us and encourage us today. Just just look. That's all I'm asking. You don't blow out the door running 90 miles an hour. Just stop and look and say, Lord, is there any place, anyone that You want me to connect to? Lord, I pray that You would mobilize this church. God, it's, that is what's at the bottom of me. Mobilize this community. That we would not become lazy, overweight pew sitters but that the good news would become so great that we could not help but share it. That the work of Your Spirit would become so great in us that we couldn't help but serve and plug in somewhere. Jesus, we love You. In Your name I pray, Amen. All right, you all can head out to the tables. What we're going to do now again is, we know we ended early on purpose. Feel free. Just to hang out, to build relationship, to view the tables in the lobby. If you saw somebody standing, whether you were a young person or a more mature person, that's a nice way of saying old, a more mature person, and you want to try to get a phone number, uh, uh, and, and please pick up your kids. So, yes, before, so... All right, be friendly, smile, pop a breath mint in. Be relational. You don't have to run out. We love you, and we'll see you this week. All right.